welcome to Professor Dave Debates. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. We have an especially fun episode today because our guest is Ray Hedgepeth of the nerd rock band, The Amoeba People. Uh, these guys are real cool. I caught them at this event at the uh, LA Natural History Museum called Dino Days. So I went with a few friends and there was a lot of, there were exhibits and there were activities going on. And of course they had some live music. And so, you know, we passed by and it said the Amoeba People were going to be on in half an hour. And, you know, we didn't know. Uh, quite what to expect, but we hung around and we watched, and uh, I was totally blown away. These guys are so cool. The lyrics were clever, the songs rocked, and uh, so of course I wanted to stick around and you know have a chat with them. So I managed to get Ray to come on the podcast to chat with me about music and about science. And uh, some of you may or may not know, I myself am a musician, a lifelong musician. I'm uh, still very passionate about music and uh, actively making music still these days. So with both of us being involved in music and both of us in the past having been involved with education, this was seemed like a perfect meeting of the minds, more or less, uh, because there, there is a lot of music out there that is science-themed, uh, whether it's educational or otherwise. Some of it is better than others, and so we, you know, we have a lot of, we had a lot to talk about in terms of, is that effective? Is that a good way to uh, help students learn? Is it a good form of entertainment in general? So this was a fun conversation, and uh, if you're interested, I'm going to play a, a track uh, by the Amoeba People at the end of the episode. But of course, if you want to check them out, go to theamoebapeople.com. And uh, so here's me and Ray Hedgepath talking about Does Science Belong in Music? Well, uh, right now we just finished our uh, our third full length album, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called the Fossil Record. So that nice. yeah, that is that's oh, that's a good pun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah that that's our drummer. Like he comes up, that's Dustin. Uh, he comes up with the good short titles. Um, mm-hmm. For example, I titled the first album, which was primarily done by myself. So, mm-hmm. um, so what I, were the first two called? The the first album is Songs, Stories, and Other Non Sequiturs, which okay. you can tell I titled. Yeah. <laughs> and then a uh, second one's Cosmigos. Dustin titled that one. Not bad. It takes a second. Uh huh. You're like, which, which part is? Oh, okay. I got right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> and then of course uh, he got the idea for the Fossil Record to call it the Fossil that's, Record too. That's so. solid. That yeah. is a solid. And, and I'm like, that's yeah. so much better than what I would have called it, which is probably you know a Mm-hmm. A sonic exploration into the you know into deep time right. and other you know whatever humorous way right, of right, right. putting it. So the fossil record just sums it all up. Now, yeah, I really got to hand it to you guys because the puns and and the lyrics <laughs> and the jokes, like I, I have like not all of them get by me like like mm-hmm. cheap joke like i just i i have i'm very sensitive towards that kind of stuff so right, right. if i think a pun is good that, right. yeah, you can take that one to the that's good that's, that's good. good and good then fossil, fossil record i mean uh, so a lot of it is is dinosaur yeah themed right then other sciences as well because yeah that's when we saw you right at the, at the dino days that's right that was a perfect pairing here at the natural the history museum yeah. booking for that event oh was gosh great. Yeah. well you know when we first started off we, we always had a lot of songs about you know geology mm-hmm. and earth science and everything and we always thought it would be really cool to play the Natural History Museum. Yeah. And uh, it just never, like, when, when I tried to get in contact with people, it just wasn't happening, you know. And so yeah. just the more we started doing it, though, then I became friends with certain people, and then the door opened, you know. So it, right. it just, it's a, it's a good fit. The only thing that's not a good fit mm-hmm. is that we're a pretty loud band. And they right. have a, these, uh, we play mostly science museums, and so they have a hard time finding a good spot for us. Right. 
sometimes they'll put us outside, which is fine, but then you don't get as much mm-hmm. traffic coming through your yeah. set. So, um, so yeah, they've been really good to us, uh, you know, putting us in that um, that hall, that entrance hall. Right. But I, but I have heard that uh, the, uh, the the gift shop is like it's kind of loud, you know, like because when the doors yeah. open and close, people come in and out. So it's, um, I so mean, you're a rock band, exactly. You know I mean? It's not like yeah, it's it's. it's appropriate for all ages it's it's very like you could have a lot of kids there and everything but it's not like i mean it, it sounded like you did have to tone down a little bit yeah. for that show. Well, they, they talked to the sound guy, too, and he's, yeah. he, they have this really great sound guy who we always write a song about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I say always. We've played there twice. Now. Oh, no, I remember that. But, yeah, we've decided it's going to be a tradition. Any show that we do with him, he'll get a new song every show uh, where we we thank him, but we thank him in song. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he does a really good job of getting us dialed in in a place like that because it's like these glass walls. Delicate. <laughs> yeah, oh, the glass. <laughs> the glass walls. And then, I you can't know, even imagine. But it's still the coolest place to play because it's mm-hmm. a natural history museum. So and talk about built-in audience oh, that's yeah. specific to what you to what do. we do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's fantastic. And so it's it's just like uh, fun to be able to say, hey, we're mm-hmm. uh, going to be playing selections from our new album, The Fossil Record, and we right. are here around a bunch of dinosaur, that, yeah, everyone, uh, fossils and bones, you know. And that is it's very interesting to me because there's so many subjects, there's so many scientific disciplines. But in terms of the ones that like kind of captures pe- capture people's interests, mm-hmm. that's definitely one of the top definitely. ones. It's like oh, space yeah. and dinosaurs. Yeah, like those are the two, the main two. You know yeah, I mean? and and I've, so. I've found that like, and maybe you've encountered this too. Um, you know, we we do we'll do music about any type of science, but mm-hmm. but we've found that um, you know. With the uh, kind of dinosaur, earth science, geology, um, it, just I guess in like TV specials and things like that, it's it's not as uh, prominently addressed as say you know string theory or space or space mm-hmm. exploration because those are the real like kind of uh, viewing things toward the average viewer. Yeah. You know, like it uh, angling it toward them. They're like, okay, well, you know, we can get people interested in X, Y, and Z. So it's always surprised me why. Ge- uh, like geology and dinosaurs and uh, you know archaeology um not archaeology because you know mm-hmm. everybody uh is, thinks indiana jones that's right. uh, unfortunately or, that's right. or maybe fortunately I don't far know. less adventure <laughs> right for but, the common exactly yeah. and then um and and so you know when you think about those things they to me they seem way more easy to grasp mm-hmm. um and, and whereas these these things that kind of end up being on science specials are these really abstract ideas or things that we don't fully understand yet whereas mm-hmm. you know we've got this great opportunity to to do more and to to kind of shout out more toward you know dinosaurs fossils toward uh, deep yeah. time all, all these uh, topics that are super cool and and accessible i think you know mm-hmm. so that's kind of what we're so even though we do all Sciences will address anything in song, pretty much. Right. Um, uh, we have kind of skewed toward the earth scientists, sciences, excuse me, uh, for that reason, just because it does seem accessible, it seems fairly easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like what the, the the Sheldon joke from the Big Bang Theory that you know geologists are not, it's not real science, right? <laughs> well, he thinks that about anyone that's not like that show is pretty bad, but right. But um, I do, I have watched it and have appreciated the mm-hmm. like kind of inside. Right, scientist right. jokes like how the theoretical physicists like look down on the experimental <laughs> right. physicists and things like that and yeah. it's just, it's, yeah. there are some there's some, some moments some there yeah, definitely definitely and then they're the ones that are kind of you know cringeworthy where you're just, you know this is a terrible sitcom I mean, right, just, right. But that's that's the landscape of television exactly <laughs> and so so you try to look for things like entry points at least that's what we try to do um where things that we know will be high interest mm-hmm. but things we can also 
you know, kind of hit um, with humor. I mean, th- there has to be a humor angle for yeah, us, absolutely. for us, because it just doesn't work. We're dressed our, 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 our origin story as a band is mm-hmm. that we're musical ambassadors from the planet Crouton. Yes. So we're here to basically study planet Earth. And you know? I just saw your, yeah, it's on your YouTube channel, it says like a sizzle reeler, but it has an animation. Yeah. Of, and that, that's great. I mean, that yeah. would be, that should be the first thing that people see. Definitely. I that's think. that's our friend uh, Tom McDonald, who's a great uh, animator and, yeah. uh, and, and collaborator. He's worked with us on a bunch of stuff and, and you know, he's, uh, he used to be in a Devo tribute band with our drummer mm-hmm. uh he was he, he kind of played the mark mother's ball part he was the lead singer but he's he doesn't sing with them anymore uh but really talented animator actually i think he works up here not too far from you mm-hmm. uh, where we are right now and he did that for us and um just like he's been on stage with us before mm-hmm. uh you know we try to avoid the lab coat thing you know yeah. because it's such a cliche it is yeah but we did put him in a lab coat because mm-hmm. he needed to wear something right <laughs> no. and he can be like you're the subject and he's the he's more know, periphery yeah. you know mm-hmm. sorry tom but you're more periphery mm-hmm. in this case but um and uh, and because of that uh, you know we got him up there you know but then we we kind of blend that kind of science cliche with a very non cliche um you know uh, stage stunt i guess you could say and that's mm-hmm. um the the fly swatter guitar where um we set up a a, a guitar that's tuned to an open chord and the scientists in their lab coats uh, thwack it with fly swatters nice and so it's tuned to whatever song we're using at that point yeah, such you know. that whatever happens is consonant exactly it exactly really go too wrong so yeah so then um but yeah that that animation you know that that whole idea of us coming from another planet is um central to our whole shtick on stage mm-hmm. so um so then approaching science and then trying to be serious about it. Uh, I mean, we just, we, we always naturally, it, it's not even like, Oh, we've got to try really hard to be funny on this one. Just naturally skews toward the humor of it. Yeah. I think, know? I think that's, that tends to be the case, but you, you guys also understand that has to be backed up. Like a lot of science music, they're like, Oh, we found a clever pun or like a clever line <laughs> right. and just throw it together. It's like, no, you also have to write a song. Yeah. Like it has to yeah. be a song. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. No, it is true. It's it because there there are people like you know who um like to put stuff out there and and not to put them down. They're trying their you know their best, and it's it's noble to do it, especially if it connects with people. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think the one thing that we uh, in addition to getting the good scientific feedback from not just teachers but actual scientists who like our stuff, um, the musical feedback that we get is mm-hmm. very important because we've always wanted to you know just approach it like these are good songs they're it's not right. just they're not just good ideas but these are well constructed songs um you know just tooting our own horn here but no, um, that, that's what I, that's specifically what i dug like wh- when i was watching i mean like you did like kind of like a surf rock number mm-hmm. and then you did like you kind of hit these genres and i was like well this is just like this is just cool like mm-hmm. this is just you know and then the science thing is on top of it right which gives it, it an an angle yeah an edge but like they're fun songs yeah. Even even if you change all the lyrics and make them about your girlfriend or whatever it right, is, right, you know, like yeah. a regular right. rock song, like they they got cool hooks. Yeah. Well, our Copperlight but... song is kind of like a love song to Copperlights. I mean, okay. it, it certainly feels that way. Very <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and that that's always been very important is trying to make sure that um, and you know like the Amoeba people 
started about eight years ago. And, uh, so prior to that, I, you know, I've spent my whole life, like just mm-hmm. like writing songs and trying to get better and learning well, how to let's write get songs. into that before yeah. we do Amoeba people origin. Let's, let's do your origin. Sure. I'd love to know about your origin way back getting into music mm-hmm. as well as getting into science. And oh. you can tell that however you wish okay. intertwined or one at a time or sure, however sure, yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, just come from a musical family. Mm-hmm. So, um, my mom was an incredible piano player and my dad was musical, but not say naturally musical in the way that my mom was. My mm-hmm. mom had a very natural musicality. So she, um, not to, to diss, uh, dad there or anything like that, but, um, you know, it was always, uh, funny listening to him on the, uh, the keyboard in the other room, mm-hmm. uh, the, those nice eighties Casio keyboards that would have the, uh, the pre programmed cheesy beats playing him playing yeah. don't Elvis's don't be cruel. Um, and always like getting, uh, waiting one beat too long to come in on the second part. And so my mom and I would be listening from the other room. And How can you not hear that we that's just, long? Yeah. Yeah. We're just like, Dad, how do you keep coming in late on that beat every time? So uh, so raised in a musical household, my mm-hmm. mom taught my sister and I how to harmonize when we were very young. So just, you know, uh, just kind of the structure of music was always there. It was always like in my environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, from a very young age, I just always paid attention to lyrics. Like lyrics were huge for me and I, I don't even know why. I just know that, um, uh, lyrics and then how lyrics are woven into the musical structure was also like just something that would stick with me. Um, when I was a kid, there was a song by Christopher Cross that came out. So I was a kid in the eighties uh, <laughs> for reference and, um, called, uh, what was it? It was the one from uh, the movie Arthur, Arthur's theme. And so, oh, the, uh, I, I love that. If movie. you get caught between the moon and New York city is the chorus. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, it's not ringing a bell, but, but yeah, yeah. I, I love that movie so much. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, years later, just to fast forward real quick, um, I was in a, a band and we wanted to cover that song just cause we thought it would be mm-hmm. funny. And so I sat down and, um, walked through the whole thing thinking, Oh man, I've, I've, I've missed a bunch of chords or whatever just doing it from memory, literally from when I was a kid. I hadn't heard the thing since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then um, then we as a band went and listened to it, and we were all just like, oh, my God. Like They are like, Ray, you remember every single chord. Of you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like there's there's just music in the memory of my brain, mm-hmm. too. So, um, so yeah, that was what, that would have been 20-some years later. Like mm-hmm. it was just stuck in there, just the chord structure and everything. And so there's that always been that kind of real presence of music in my life. And, and then uh, lyrics I always paid attention to. Um, started playing in bands as a teenager, um, picked up guitar when I was 13 and, um, immediately started writing songs. I played piano prior to that and played trumpet in school and things like that. But guitar was the one that made music make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, uh, most musicians that I know that have an instrument that's their instrument Mm -hmm. feel the same way about it. It's like, that's the instrument that made music make sense to them. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was for me with guitar. Just all of a sudden, everything fell into place. I'm like, now I get it. Like when I heard this and this song and why it went here, why it transitioned that way. It's your voice. Yeah. So now it all makes sense with guitar. So, um, and by in through my teenage years, I just kept, um, I always had this dream of having a band. I didn't know it would be the Amoeba people, but right. I just had a dream of having a band where I could play because I love just finding new instruments, learning new instruments. And I just want yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's so like when I was a teenager, like I was learning, you know, a mandolin, I was learning ukulele, I was learning the tin whistle, I was learning accordion, uh, like anything that anybody gave me, like people would find yeah. out, they'd say, Hey, aren't you uh, interested in learning so and so? And I'm like, sure. And they're like, here, uh, I was given a banjo, you know, it's just a lot of the things I've learned over the years is just because people have given them to me because they mm-hmm. know I like learning yeah. new instruments. And so I always wanted to have a band where I could 
use almost every single instrument that I know. And, yeah. uh, but, but you know, how often, you know, I mean, maybe if you're in some kind of folk string band where you're like switching back and forth, but I wanted it to be zanier too. So, um, that eventually did become the amoeba people. Uh, you know, we use everything at our disposal, but, um, then, uh, on into, yeah, I'd say late teens and early twenties, I developed this really weird and terrible stage fright. And so, oh, no. yeah, I just, I couldn't perform. And, uh, which is funny because people who, you know, see me now, they say things like, um, well, it's easy for you to get up on stage. And I'm like, no, it is not. It's a process. Yeah. I think a, for all of us, it's a unique, it is. Uh, Have you ever had uh, experience with stage fright, like crippling stage um, fright? It's very interesting because I, I'm very at home on a stage more so than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, like uh, most of the bands I've been in, I've play, been playing drums. Mm-hmm. And behind the drum set, it's like... I'm happy as a clam, like could never be more comfortable. Um, But I grew up as a classical pianist and like Mm -hmm. doing piano performances. Uh um, I'm terrified. (laughs) And, and I've recently, I mean, I kind of abandoned it, but recently I had been trying to do solo piano performance again Mm -hmm. and it's just, I'm, it's petrifying. Yeah. I don't know what, like it's a very odd disconnect. Mm Mm-hmm. Between those well, I mean, so. there is a lot of pressure. Uh, per, are, the, are these classical pieces that you're talking about now? They're my avant-garde classical-ish mm-hmm. uh, renditions of popular songs. So, like, I'll take like "Happiness Is a Warm Gun" and mm-hmm. stretch it out into like a 12-minute weird, uh, yeah. like, do you know Brad Meldow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, obviously, I can't. Is he the one who did the Radiohead album? He's yeah. done a ton. He's yeah. done a bunch of Radiohead songs and like yeah. Nirvana. You know, and obviously, you know, he does all. He does a lot of different stuff. Yeah. But he's absolutely my number one inspiration and yeah. uh, there's stuff I do where I'm trying my best to rip him off and fa- failing <laughs> miserably he's unbelievably brilliant but kind of trying to do sort of that stuff and it's I'm I'm terrified yeah it's probably because the spotlight is completely on you in that mm-hmm. moment you know what I mean there's yeah. there's no breathing room there's no space between you and yeah and and the audience response it's you know? that and like the 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 way the piano is just like kind of walking a tightrope like it's all muscle memory so if if i you know think too much i'll mm-hmm. like screw up the muscle memory but if i'm not present it's not an emotional performance like it's just i know exactly what you mean so though. yeah like in a different context mm-hmm. though i know exactly what you mean but now i'm fronting a new project uh-huh. on synth and vocals and it's brand new and i'm uh, i'm getting a little bit of that like oh god like everyone's <laughs> looking at me specifically uh-huh. Right. So I, I feel I, you on the front yeah, end. Yeah, and it's, it's weird. It's hard. It is hard. And but you also feel like you know there's a part of your brain where you're like, who cares? Like yeah. when I'm 90 years old, if I'm lucky enough to live to 90, um, or unlucky enough to live 90, depending on my physical condition, then um, I'm like, am I really going to look back and say, wow, like I made such a mistake getting up on stage when I was 19? Right. Or you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to care at all. But in that moment, you, you don't have that perspective, no. and so that's what was happening to me in the the that early phase of of like. I wanted to do like these acoustic shows and I did a couple, you know, mm-hmm. and I would open for my friends bands or things like that, you know, or play a coffee shop or something. And it just, um, uh, I just didn't do a lot of it. I just, and I, mm-hmm. so I kept writing songs. I kept, you know, I kept at it. But then, um, when I was like trying to decide, like, do I want to try to, you know, at that point in my life, pursue music professionally, 
um, you know, I, I just was like, how am I going to do it? Like I was just terrified. And so, yeah, I, so I just, you know, decided, um, so then I got into teaching because I was like, well, I know like teaching kind of runs in the family. Mm-hmm. So, so this is post-college or how- this would be, um, right in college and post-college. Mm-hmm. So, um, so where'd you go and what'd you study? Uh, Cal State Long Beach. So I'm from Long Beach, mm-hmm. um, born in, well, not born in Long Beach, born in Torrance, California, but uh, raised in Long Beach. And I'm just a huge Long Beach, uh, advocate and okay. fan. I, I like I, Long Beach. I love the place. Yeah. So, um, and uh, and and went to Cal State Long Beach, studied English. You know, um, so like uh, a lot of literature. And yeah. So I was thinking maybe and... I want to be a writer. Maybe mm-hmm. I want to. Uh, you know, of course. Um, uh, luck would have it that I was best at poetry, which you can't make any money off of. Well, I mean, there are the rare yeah. few that have made money off of poetry. But perfect for lyricism. Exactly. Course, but yeah. then I saw the connection. I was like, okay, so here I am not really playing in bands, mm-hmm. not really performing because of the stage fright thing. I did do a couple poetry readings, which was also terrifying, but I got through them because I did them with friends. Um, and, uh, and then, in fact, uh, one of the poetry readings I did, I brought my ukulele and ended up doing kind of a, a I guess you could call it a song, not a poem. And, you know, it was humorous, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, that went over really well. So I, I kept mm-hmm. feeling that tug of like, you know, like, yeah. you know, music, uh, humor that that was always there. Um, I think I think in, in like trying to get over the performance hump, we, we have to like an early lesson is the understanding that no, no one is scrutinizing you the way you're scrutinizing yourself exactly. everybody wants it to be really awesome and have a great time and have you be awesome right and just like the the lesson of like if you like sing a shitty note or mm-hmm. if you like there's a little mistake like move on do yeah. not draw attention to it just right. like be just project awesomeness right yeah and some people like i've had like early in my first bands when i was like 18 or 19 you know would, like get off stage and be like oh man like we messed that up we messed right. this up and people are like i don't know what you're talking about we have no we have no idea what you're like yeah people it's don't true. know <laughs> people don't know and yeah. you know um this one band i played in uh, so what i did decide to do was play in other people's bands since mm-hmm. i was so state i had such stage fright just like rhythm guitar and, yeah i played yeah. rhythm guitar um and then I, I played in a western swing band believe it or not and i played uh lap steel guitar in that group played oh, some wow yeah so you, that's really hard to learn how to play it is, though, it's a hard right? instrument yeah and um and i can't say that i'm as good as some of those ringers from those nashville guys in the yeah. old days like bob wills and the texas playboys um uh tommy mcauliffe i think was the, his his steel guitar player it was just like you listen to that stuff and you're like how do you even make that happen it's incredible yeah. you know with a steel bar in your hand right. but they do it and um and that was even before the pedal steel days where you could use a pedal to bend the strings they were bending the strings oh, on the okay. back side uh i know this is a podcast you can't see this but on the <laughs> on the back side of the the steel bar that you're using they were using their free fingers to bend the strings to get those little wow. i mean incredible technique you know yeah um so i was certainly was was not on that level mm-hmm. but um but that was my primary instrument in that band was the steel guitar. And then, um, you got to bring that into Amoeba people. It is, uh, on the, the new album has a Hawaiian tune called oh, the, nice. the Apohoi Hoi Lava Rock Walk, uh, which is about, uh, you know, two types <laughs> of lava. And, uh, it's obviously, I mean, it, it kind of plays off of the whole Hawaiian cliche, but mm-hmm. instead of being just a Hawaiian song, it's about lava. So, um, mm-hmm. But it's great. I mean, it's geographically appropriate and it like gives it like I, I like 
your genre selection. You know what I mean? Because yeah, a, yeah. A, every song becomes unique then. Yeah. We definitely you know? try to pair that, yeah. you know, um, the, the concept to the, the musical style yeah. so that it's like that volcano song was, I really like, and you had like, it so- sounds almost like you're in the jungle. It's like yeah. that, that sort of <laughs> right. a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> that one it. has, uh, and that'll be on the fossil record too. The, the, uh, that song volcano has, well, I was just listening to it again the other day and it's got the kind of tribal. Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh, that's like my favorite part of yeah. the whole show. <laughs> but then it's also got the um, Dustin yelling, Andale! So it's got like this kind of, you mm-hmm. know, a Spanish influence. And then it's got trumpets, mm-hmm. the, at least the recorded version does. But then it breaks into a theremin part. I mean, you know what right. I mean? Like, so it's, it's absurdly... Um, Global, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, but also tries to reference very specific musical points, yes, uh, yeah. geographically speaking, yeah. you know. And so, um, so yeah, so playing steel guitar with that guy um, in, in that group, um, the you reminded me of a story um, where we were on stage and were playing and he kept looking over at me. Now we were having kind of a rough set, but I was like spot on like, and mm-hmm. I'm, that, that's a hard instrument to be spot on on. And mm-hmm. so, um, and I was in, and he, but the singer kept looking over at me. And, and so finally after the set, I'm like, why did you keep looking over at me in the middle of every single song? And he goes, cause you and I were the only ones playing everything right. Right. And I'm like, you made it look made, like made I was the bad. one messing everything up. And, exactly, and I said, yeah. you don't, I go, you don't have to look at anybody. If there's a mistake, no, you nobody look, will know. You don't do Nobody will exactly. know. He's like, well, yeah. I, I, I just didn't know what to do. So I looked at you cause you know, we were on the same page and I was like, yeah, just don't look at anybody. Don't just, you play it off. Yeah. It took several years to learn that lesson, but yeah, yeah. once yeah. you learn it, it's you so forget. true. And then, then, then if you, you play it off, there are times where I've made such bad mistakes on stage but the playing it off, you can tell completely nullified how yep. bad the mistake was. Mm-hmm. And then I can even listen back to it if we like recorded the show and say, wow. But then I see it visually it's happening. It's a unique moment. Yeah. yeah, but I'm like, oh, but it's the, the way it happened visually, you'd never know it. Like mm-hmm. the, the only time with the Amoeba people, um, by the time we, we formed the Amoeba people, like we were already fairly accomplished in what we do. So like uh, our shows, you know, I feel like they've all been good. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, over the past eight years, like... We, we keep saying, like, are we ever going to have a bad show? Not mean in a bragging sense, in a sense that they're all different, but they're, we're just, I think what happens is the, the foundational level of your musical stage experience is just higher at a certain point. So even when you fall to the ground and it's a horrible mistake, you're still not falling as far as you would have when you were mm-hmm. starting off, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid or what yeah. have you. So, um, so the mistakes don't fall as far, I guess you could say. Yeah. And um, you can, and you can brush them off more quickly. Exactly. It, they're not as ego bruising. Exactly. Like, Whoa, that was ridiculous. Okay, moving on. Exactly. And, it's, yeah. and statistically speaking, the more you play, the more mistakes you're going to make. There's mm-hmm. just, it's just inevitable. So, um, but there was one recently, um, I think last year where, um, I had tied my tie too long. I, um, maybe it was just, you know, in honor of Donald Trump. I don't know. Um, (laughs) who, who, that man cannot tie his tie correctly, but anyway. Um, and so that my tie at the end of volcano, which is like ends with this guitar part, just slipped right into the strings and like did that little wave thing where like where it went between the strings. So I could get no sound whatsoever. (laughs) And I'm literally pulling my neck up, trying to get the tie out of there. And And then everybody's just waiting on the last note. Ryan and Dustin are looking at me like, uh, and I just said, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm going to remove my tie from my strings and we're going to end the song. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, it was awful, but it also, you know what? We played it off and, uh, you just learn how to do that stuff after a while yeah. and you just, you move on. Cause you, know? uh, you uh, I'd say half the people 
would say that you meant to do that. I bet totally, that half yeah. the people <laughs> right. would be like, that was planned. Oh my gosh, that's so funny when you got your tie stuck in your strings. Yeah. How, how'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it takes many, many years of practice, yeah. uh, you know, but uh, we're highly skilled. But yeah, so then, uh, I, so then simultaneously, then I was teaching and mm-hmm. um, and doing music. So and, like subbing or like a private school or like how did that? So I I, th- I started when I was like twenty four and mm-hmm. just started uh, teaching. What did I teach first? Uh, fourth grade. So I taught fourth mm-hmm. grade, and then from there. So you got sixth. your like credential and everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did one of those programs uh, at the time because they were hiring teachers like crazy, mm-hmm. um, where you uh, could work while you're getting your credential because they needed so many people oh, desperately. Yeah. yeah. Um, those people that, you know, they just dragged off the street and said, Hey, you look like you could teach some kids. You look relatively well put together. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you've got a pulse and, uh, we can just, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I went through one of those programs and it was actually really great. And so that's how Mm -hmm. I started then from there to sixth grade. So I've taught fourth, fifth and sixth grade over the years. And, um, and so I was always doing that while I was doing music at night and on the weekends. And, um, and then I had, you know, I, there's one band I was in that did like really well for a while. And, and so I was like, oh, this could actually become a thing where, um, it takes over teaching, you know? Mm -hmm, And so, mm -hmm. um, uh, but I've always had, you know, one foot in both. And so I've really, and and again, same thing with my family. It's like, it was a family of musicians, but also educators. Mm -hmm. So it was never like a strange marriage to me, um, uh, of bringing music into the classroom. It was just always there, always had um, guitars in the class. I'd bring in crazy instruments, bringing in a theremin to a classroom, by the way, is the oh, best. They have no idea. Oh yeah. my gosh. Ch- like, children or adults that, yeah. that maybe have never seen one. They're it's just true. like, this is, I'm, I'm going to buy one eventually. Yeah. I really want one. You just, you won't, there's no way you'll regret it. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, you, you pretty much never regret buying any instrument, I yeah. think, but especially a theremin. Yeah. And anyone who's listening that does not know what a theremin is, <laughs> continue listening to the end of this episode first, but then immediately after look on YouTube and find out what a theremin is, you will not regret it. It's yeah. an incredible instrument. Oh, and my favorite on YouTube is uh, Carolyn uh, Eck or Eek or E-Y-C-K or something like that. Um, her theremin videos are incredible. Is I she just, the one that did like somewhere over the rainbow and all that? Like she the might old have. Stuff? She might have. Um, I she does a lot of collaborations with people. She also mm-hmm. shows you technique. Yeah. Um, and you know, so if you want to learn how to play, her mm-hmm. videos are great for that. But yeah, then there's also just her playing the yeah, theremin. I'm one hundred percent getting one within oh. the next year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one that I'm using now for the amoeba people, um, I will explain briefly for the mm-hmm. listeners sure. uh, who might not be familiar. But um, Lan Theremin, I think he was a scientist or he was a researcher of some sort. Or, but he was also a musician, so um, he uh, he basically developed. I don't remember the reason he developed it, but he developed this box that um, you know when you pass within the electromagnetic field of the antenna, um, it it basically translate it, it translates it to a pitch, mm-hmm. and so you can change the pitch by moving uh, the placement of your hand or your body. You could use your head, of course, but um, but uh, most thereminists use their hand, um, and then on so that that's toward the uh, vertical antenna where you create pitch, and then on the um, kind of lateral antenna is your volume antenna where you can control how loud or soft it gets and kind of uh, mess with your dynamics that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's this very kind of eerie but beautiful um, electronic sound yeah. that became really popular in you know old sci-fi movies and uh, oh yeah yeah it's, that's that's the best way to describe it is it's that old sci-fi noise that everyone yeah. is familiar with exactly but it's so cool to see someone play an instrument without touching anything yeah technically and that's, yeah that's what is most it's still a trip to it. me yeah. sometimes you mm-hmm. know and 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 when i use it in fact i was just using it the other day on a um a cartoon we've been collaborating on with an animator and i was using it for an effect like a hover effect mm-hmm. and um 
Uh, so, you know, you can use it for so many different things on with the amoeba people. I use a, uh, we, we did have like kind of an older style one at first, but now, um, I use the Thera mini, uh, and no, uh, I don't get clever. paid. I don't get paid anything by Moog, um, electronics or Moog keyboards uh, to say that, but, um, they make the Thera mini Moog does. And, uh, and it's great because what they did was they, you can play it like a traditional theremin. And they cased it so that it looks like a spaceship, which is awesome. Uh, so it's in this cool <laughs> white casing, like looks like no other theremin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then what they did was they built um, a synthesizer into it, so you can hit different settings. Um, so instead of just the one theremin sound, they've programmed in thirty some different types of sounds. Oh my god! Yeah, and then you're, I mean you're you're not going to wait to buy that. Uh, theremin after you hear all this because um it's it's that incredible you're gonna want to run out this afternoon cost um i think it's about like 300 to 350 bucks whereas you know a lot of theremins are more in the thousand dollar range so and and what happens is you can actually i will admit i i use this uh effect um you can pitch it so that usually theremin just kind of does a sweep it's a continuous yeah there's no distinction between the notes unless you figure out how to play Mm -hmm. those distinct notes Whereas uh, with this, you can actually um, set it up so that it'll play at a single note at a time, depending on where your hand is. And you can um, dial in uh, how distinct you want those notes to be. So Mm -hmm. there's a dial knob on it that you can kind of tweak back and forth. So it's like pitch corrected theremin. Yes. Which, of course, if you've ever played one, you know, and and you're not a thereminist, you kind of need pitch correction. And so so on our song Volcano, which is on the new album, the the theremin part, um, I'm using a um, Spanish scale in the um the key of e and you because you can select the key too which is Mm -hmm. great so your root note when you get back to your root note whatever key your song is in um you can dial that in as well and then um, you can select what kind of scale you want how scaled you want it to sound and so um so i will say though even though it sounds like i'm totally cheating which i kind of am (laughs) you still have to play the thing you know i mean you still have to get the right notes well you also had to write the melody exactly yeah yeah Yeah, so um and it was funny because our our mixing engineer um when he mixed the album for us i had done um i'd done a number of takes but i kept two of them and he instead of just using one he kept them both in in the in the mix and I was like, oh, hey, you know, you accidentally left one of these theremins in there, you know, and I go, they're not precise. He's like, what are you kidding me? He's like, that's in there on purpose. It's, on, it's like, who double tracks the theremin? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're right. Who does double track the theremin? Perhaps I'm, no one ever before. Exactly. And I'm like, and you know what? It does have a unique sound. So I was yeah. like, so we've got a double tracked theremin in there. And because it's not, it's a very imprecise instrument, mm-hmm. it, it, it created this really cool effect because I'm not playing it exactly the same both times you know so yeah i mean you got you got to get yourself anybody listening to this the world will be a better place if more people play theremin it'll be probably noisier yeah <laughs> a noisier world it'll be more confusing <laughs> far more confusing. everyone has a mobile theremin yeah exa- oh gosh that's a great idea there <laughs> is a, there is a theremin app too for mm-hmm. your for the iphone but anyway that's another story <laughs> yeah, I, I do share your affinity for unorthodox instruments they're so great for me it's more i got really into ethnic percussion in college yeah, and i was doing yeah. studying all the different ethnic percussions and like when i eventually if i ever have a lot a lot a lot of money i'm gonna like i'm just gonna go nuts and buy weird you know um African and 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 uh, Asian and Middle Eastern, yeah, very strange percussion instruments. Oh, and, yeah. It's the best, you know. It's like so I, cool. I uh, so that that one band that I was mentioning that kind of went far. Like we opened up for like a lot of like kind of you know bigger name acts. It was we were like an 
alt country band. Um, that singer in that band um, was friends with a guy who was making an album with the producer Mitchell Froom, who produced Sheryl Crow, Elvis Costello, like huge names from the you know 80s and 90s, and he's still working today. And um, just an incredible musician, incredible producer. And and uh, and my friend texted me. He's like, "Hey, um, aren't you like? Don't you? Aren't you like a fan of like Mitchell Froome?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, and I just immediately start lifting off, listing off all the albums of his that mm-hmm. he produced that I love. You know, he's like, "I'm at his house right now," mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." He goes, um, "You know, my friend's making a. Uh, it wasn't an album. It was a uh, an EP, and uh, they were just kind of you know making an EP, and then they were gonna like pitch it to labels and stuff like that, and." Uh, I was like, no way. He's like, do you want to come on over? I'm like, yes, I want to come over. Mm-hmm. So I get over there and um, I, they're, they're working in the, in the studio out in the back and everything. And I'm just like watching them work and everything. It's all really cool. And, but then um, afterwards I was like, okay, I, I need to talk to him now. Cause this guy's like one of my musical heroes. And it was like that. He had all these keyboards. It wasn't percussion, but he had all these keyboards from all over the world. Just the strangest things made out of metal tubing, but, but all keyed instruments. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And there's this one that he showed me and he, um, he kind of, uh, he played it a little bit because when he, when I expressed interest in, um, one of the keyboards that he used on this, uh, crowded house album, um, he's like, Oh, that's right here. And he walked me over to it and showed mm-hmm. me the one that was used the on the album. Used, yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> and, um, and then it, once I started asking about the one and he just started showing me all the others, I'm like, this is so cool. I'm at like Mitchell Froome's house. He's making a record and he's showing me all his keyboards, his classic <laughs> keyboards. Um, but then he showed me this one and it was just these weird two tubes with a keyboard connect and it just it looked kind of ancient he goes yeah this is probably one of only two in the entire world you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and that feeling like oh you just the shiver goes if you're a music nerd like yeah like i am and it seems like you are too uh that shiver just goes down your spine when you see that because it's just that uniqueness it's of sound thing yeah yeah the, the unique like this nothing else quite gets the same sound that this thing gets, right. you know, that is, is just phenomenal to me. So, so yeah, we're always on the lookout for, for those types of yeah. uh, sounds in, in what we do and <laughs> um, new ways of, um, you know, making what you're hearing sound interesting as well as making the science interesting too, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I, if I've brought us full circle back or, <laughs> well, let's see, we, you were teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that's when you're doing the country stuff. Right, right. Okay. And then, so when did Amoeba People start happening? Oh, okay. So yeah, the, um, so the Western swing band, it's kind of funny too, cause I never liked country music growing up. I always mm-hmm. just hated it with a passion. Yeah. But then it, uh, around 18 or 19, I had a friend who was really into like rockabilly and all the rockabilly guys actually are fans of the old bluegrass stuff and the, mm-hmm. the, the real old country stuff, you know, uh, like the Leuven brothers and the, and, uh, Bill Monroe and all the, I guess Leuven brothers are not bluegrass, but it's, it's older country. Um, and, uh, and so he started turning me on to, uh, the people that he liked. And that's when I first started like thinking, oh, okay, you know what? Like there's country is not just one thing. It's so yeah, many it's different things. And yeah. so, that got me into um, playing in these other bands, like the alt country band and the Western swing band. Um, and, and I realized, oh, it's just like, these are just really good songs, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just conveyed in a different way. When I got to um, the, uh, the Western swing band, we, you know, lasted for a while, made a couple recordings. Um, and then that singer from that group started a new band and wanted to start a new project where he and I were gonna like divide up the songwriting duties 
And so um, we we're going to do like a Lennon McCartney thing <laughs> naturally. I mean, cause yeah. you know, why, why compare yourselves to anybody, to but the anybody best, anybody, but the best songwriting duo of all time. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so we're like, okay, you write half the tunes, I'll write half the tunes. And it was, it ended up being a really cool, you know, uh, marriage of the two styles. And mm-hmm. um, so it gave our, our sets of a variety, but the, you know, like, I mean, if you play in bands long enough, some bands go far, some bands don't do a single show, you know, some mm-hmm. bands, uh, somewhere in the middle collapse like this one, just kind of, as we were working on a recording, it just kind of started falling apart. But two of the members of that band were Ryan Mosley, who's the bass player of the Amoeba people and Dustin Jordan, who's the drummer of the Amoeba nice. people. So they that's like, how we I met. will take these yeah. players. <laughs> right. yeah. So that's how we met is playing in that other band. Okay. And we all, we already kind of knew each other mm-hmm. um, just from playing around the, you know, in long beach and stuff like that. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, so when that band just kind of fell through, um, and that album never even got released, you know, it's still out there, which we hope to release someday because it's still fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. But um, So then I, I just said to the guys, I was actually I said to Dustin first, um, I was like, hey, you know, I've got this weird idea. I've always wanted to do it, and, um, you know, I'm now a I'm a dad now, so I don't, yeah. I don't care anymore. Like yeah, yeah. Used, things I used to be embarrassed about, like I'm no longer embarrassed by. And so I want to dress up like a dork on stage and do crazy music. How do you feel about that? And mm-hmm. he's just like in with both feet. I, I had actually tried out the idea with another drummer friend of mine, maybe about six months before that. And, um, and he was, he was great. Cause he was honest with me. He's like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> I, I go, Oh, you mean like be crazy? And he's like, yeah, he goes, I just, he goes, I, I love what you're doing. He goes, I just don't think I can do it. I was like, no, I'm rather you tell me now. Like the performance aspect that like the personality aspect, exactly. the character, Being based a character aspect. on yeah. stage. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to get out and play drums. And I was right. like, no, I'm, I'm glad you're honest with me. And you know, so he and I ended up working on a different project together, but so then, but Dustin, Oh man, mm-hmm. you know, he was just, you, you got to commit. Yeah. <laughs> and no and he that. was just like, so originally, um, Dustin did the artwork for the, cause he's an artist also. He did the artwork for the first album. Um, and that was kind of, you know, how I was trying to drag him into the project. And like I said, I did most of the first Amoeba people album just by myself. Um, cause I was kind of learning at that point how to get better at recording and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other recordings I'd, I'd been involved with were always done by other people for the most part. And so, um, so I did that. And then, um, and then I said, Hey, I want to start doing some shows, you know, under this name and it's going to be like mostly educational, but the key is not really educational. The key is just zany, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, again, he was just totally in. So we tried to do it as a duo at first. We didn't do any performances as a duo. We did a lot of rehearsing and that's when we realized, okay, we're going to need like a third guy. And so yeah. Ryan was the obvious choice because we'd played with him already. And there was a, that kind of musical mind meld between the three of us in the other band. Mm-hmm. So then we, um, yeah. So then uh, we asked Ryan and he was just full into it. And that's again, with, with a band like this, you know, being this loony, you have to be full in because oh, yeah. if you're self-conscious at all, it's going to just fall apart. It won't of work. Of course. Yeah. If you're not invested, I mean, we're all out there watching you guys like you we want you to sell it to us right, right? yeah exactly if you're like um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an insecure alien from the planet crouton yeah you know. oh, this is so lame but <laughs> right. it, it, it goes both ways because yes like it is it can be difficult to to make that leap and commit but if you do you have a thing that other bands don't have because most right. bands don't generate this whole backstory and all that you know they don't have as much going on yeah yeah (laughs) so it it definitely gives you a whole different i mean that you can be booked at these specific types of events right that's an angle 
I mean, yeah. I, nobody, none, no local bands in, in LA really would be appropriate for things like that. For, you know? for a dino fest. Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. like, I'm sure some band would be like, oh yeah, we'll, sure, we'll figure it out. And right, it's like, right. dude, what are you doing? Come on. Like, exactly. Whereas we're tailor-made for <laughs> yeah, that. that you is know? exactly what And then are. the funny thing about it is, is we can take it into a bar mm-hmm. and, and do it just as a straight up, almost like a comedy show. Yeah. And, and it works really well too. We've mm-hmm. done that. And um, just because... It's just good music. It's just, you know, something you can jump around right. to. And you can be your loudest self. Exactly. Which is probably fun for you guys. It's definitely fun to yeah. be loud, mm-hmm. you know, and um, or, or like uh, after, you know, we, we'd just um, done like a bunch of museum shows and then we played uh, this bar and, uh, and as the Amoeba people, of course, and Dustin's like, oh, like into the microphone, he's like, do you know how, what a relief it is to be able to drink beer on stage? Right, right, right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like you people take this for granted. Right. <laughs> like we can't drink beer in front of families while we're performing, you know? So, um, yeah, but it, I do like the fact that we're able to, mm-hmm. to jump from any, pretty much any context. Yeah. You know? So what, what has been your experience kind of getting into the rock scene? Like what, what areas have embraced you? Like where, where do you find it the easiest to kind of get in? It's, it's actually, it's still strange. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, um, because we, there's, there's a new place down in Long Beach that, um, in fact, they're going to be releasing, um, the, the new album on vinyl. Mm -hmm. They're, um, called Toxic Toast Records, Mm -hmm. um, and Toxic Toast Records, it's a store, but they have a venue next door as well. Mm -hmm. So we've played there and, um, and we mostly fit into, I guess what you would call the Dr. Demento kind of realm so mm-hmm. uh for your, your listeners may be younger so uh shall i explain dr demento sure okay so um back in the i guess this would have been late 70s mid 70s late 70s early 80s um dr demento he's a musicologist mm-hmm. um and he uh, had a show that became syndicated where he would just um i mean the guy is he knows everything about music but he started playing these old novelty records comedy records and things like that and that version of his show became very popular mm-hmm. and so he named himself Dr. Demento. I'm not sure actually where he got the name from. Um, and so, um, and then one of the, um, earliest people he played on his show was Weird Al Yankovic. It was one of his first, uh, actually the first time he was ever played on the radio. And so, and then they ended up doing tours together. It was like, so originally Dr. Demento was so popular that it was Dr. Demento presents Weird Al Yankovic. So, uh, yeah. So he was like the mentor to Mm -hmm. Weird Al. And then of course, you know, the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the roles, switched you know obviously pretty quickly mm-hmm. and, and weird al became like this sensation that's still around to this day still yeah he's still around i mean still making if, if number one record if a guy like him can be embraced i mean that that's a similar he's very silly yeah yeah, yeah. It, it is an interesting question like do you find that you have more hipsters rolling their eyes at you or being like whoa this is the cool like they're we've super into both. it yeah know? we've had both we've seen the people who are just like oh it's just another gimmick and it's just they're oh, they're trying so hard trying like, so hard know, yeah. how, how dare they like what they do right oh my gosh um but actually the um even from the hipsters and i think maybe it's just because there is a sort of uh intellectual side to what we do you know there there's a very um I, I don't know how how to how to else to describe it other than that. Well, you're but, celebrating scientific knowledge. Yeah. I mean And it's not in a super dumbed do. down way. No, not either. really. Yeah, you're you're using terminology that is uncommon, you know, yeah. it's uh, specific to the field. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, given that there is somewhat of a fad towards intellectualism in hipsterdom, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the threads, you know, so there's a certain type of, I mean, I don't want to pick on hipsters, but just like <laughs> there's a certain type of youth right. that would be specifically invigorated <laughs> and turned on by anything 
in the realm of intellectualism. Right. And then I think there's maybe another thread that would be turned off by that. And I'm not sure. I I think maybe the former Mm -hmm. is stronger. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. For Um, the most part, what we've seen, you know, where we've encountered it, it's like people usually are coming into it, not knowing what it is. Right. And, and that's great because the stage is usually filled with some cool looking guitars, some weird instruments. There's usually a theremin. Yeah. Um, a little bit of mystique. There's a little bit of mystique, <laughs> yeah. and which is, and the, the funny thing about it is, like, um, we uh, we signed a, a development deal with this uh, TV production company um, about a year and a half, no, two years ago now, and uh, they were like, "Hey, are you guys interested in like doing TV shows?" And I was like, "Yes, of we want to do a TV show. Yes, of course." That's amazing. But um, because that's we've been trying to do that for a while now, mm-hmm. just trying to get in contact with the right people who would want to do um, basically follow us on our adventures around Earth as we learn about the science of planet Earth, mm-hmm. and then there, it's these musical shows. You yeah, because you're the, the 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 whole thing that you have cultivated. G- lends itself very easily to an overarching narrative very easily yeah you know yeah and i think that's part of the reason why we kind of built it into it like we actually hadn't thought of doing a tv show when we started the band um but like it was about a year or two years in where everybody kept saying to us like you guys need to develop this into a tv show like this Mm -hmm. is so easily geared toward that and uh and, and, and so we, from there on, we definitely started doing everything like that builds into our narrative as something that could easily be translated. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we have the whole, the bit about, um, uh, the planet Crouton is in the Encelada star system <laughs> and there's all these analogs to our own yeah. solar system. Of course there's, you know, there's arugula and dive, um, all these other, you know, planetary yeah. names that are, that are lettuces and, um, but, uh, there's Crouton where mm-hmm. we're from, but then there's also, um, imitation bacon bit, which has gone through a similar, um, uh, denunciation, shall we say, or, or, um, where it was like Pluto mm-hmm. and, uh, it is no longer considered, uh, withdrawn from, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so IBB, which is the, um, uh, abbreviation for imitation bacon bit lost its planetary status. It's considered mm-hmm. a, a dwarf, uh, salad, uh, accessory, I guess, uh, <laughs> And so, so it's that kind of silliness, but mm-hmm. then we try to balance that really kind of dumb silliness with the slightly more intellectual humor of the songs themselves. Mm-hmm. Although we, we will sometimes get dumb in a song too. Like, yeah. um, but then we also kind of know where to draw the line. So like mm-hmm. we had, we had a couple lines in, in the copper light song, uh, you know, where Dustin would come in with this little rap, like that just would hook at the end of a line where he's saying like, um, uh, digging dinosaur deuces in Las Cruces, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, we're like, and we didn't include that. You know what I mean? Like there's certain things like we'll, we'll go far enough. Sometimes we'll, we'll let it, you know, happen. Other times we won't. We'll you pull can it choose back. your audience to exactly. know when to include which bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's a silliness. I like that. It's a silliness that's sort of ageless. Like there's silliness that's only for five-year-olds and there's silliness that's kind of adult specific. Mm-hmm. This is sort of like, I can imagine children and adults both, giggling at this, this kind of humor, you know? Yeah. And that's, so. that was the thing with the production company that we kept coming up against was, um, well, there were two things. The first was what, who's your target audience. And so we're like, well, um, you know, basically seven year olds, 
to 90 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Seven year olds and nerdy adults. Right. Right. I'm like, and the thing is no production company wants to hear you. They don't like that. Yeah. That you're that's. And and so I'm like, and they're like, well, like who are your biggest fans? I'm like, well, I'm not kidding. Like middle school kids, but college professors, uh, working scientists. Yeah. Um, nerds of all stripe, yeah, uh, nerds of any type. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and and so there, so that that was not a market that it's exactly. You know. So that that part was difficult. So like, how would we do this to where it, it hit a certain age range? And so we said we can totally pare that down to a specific age range. We just don't mm-hmm. want to go too young, yeah, because we're not like a. I love Yo Gabba Gabba, but we're not like a Yo Gabba Gabba age right. range, you know. And so so we're a little the the science in it is a little more beefy than you know just kind of like uh, here's the order of the planets mm-hmm. you know um and so that was our first it wasn't a sticking point I and mean, they were really cool to work with but then um then the problem is is that they were a production company that mostly did unscripted tv mm-hmm. so they wanted to do like the behind the scenes of what we do of how we come up with science songs and all that which is a cool idea yeah that's but not it's not like really the, what we're all about. That's not the playground. Yeah, it's like why are we dressing idea. up like these these weird guys right. if all we're going to do is show what we're doing when we're not dressed up like these guys. Right. So uh, but they were really cool people. We they worked on this reel with us, and then they they pitched it to a number of networks, and uh, unsurprisingly, uh, you know, nobody uh, mm-hmm. jumped on it. Um, and uh, and you know the, that contract, you're locked into that for like a year. So we couldn't like work on our idea. I mean, we could yeah. do like it was very specific what we could do. We could do live shows. We could do one offs on other people's mm-hmm. TV shows if that came up. Became but you available. can't de- you can't develop another TV idea with another. Person. Exactly. I've, I've had a couple of these as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's I, I I've. I've uh, hardened a bit to it now mm-hmm, after a right. couple of rounds of this of like, they know how to talk. They know how to sweet talk. Yeah. Right. And, and you really start to think like, Oh, I'm going to have my own show. And then like, it just, right. It just, there's, and then when you get no contacted way. by other people, yeah, mm-hmm. you're now you're gun shy. That's what's happened. Cause yeah. we have been contacted by other people um, who seem even by people who seem to get what we're doing. Yeah. And then the one that I thought was most promising, I was like, sweet. Like they they were mentioning flight of the concords. They're like a sciencey right. flight of the con. I'm like, it, okay. It's not a bad comparison. Yeah. yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, these guys kind of get what we're doing. And then yeah. whew, it just went just radio yeah. silence. And like they're they, probably the best musical comedy act of all time. Of I mean, all time. I can't think of a better one. Because, yeah. Like to, um, to be terribly honest, I don't like musical comedy. Yeah. I yeah. just don't like it. All, yeah. Almost all of it just like bothers me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like yeah. when there's stuff, when there's acts that that I'm like oh but I do like this one like that's that's uh, and they that's they're different. like the gold standard as Absolutely. far as I'm concerned yeah, yeah. they uh, just because they and we actually you know have studied them quite a bit I know it sounds weird to say we've mm-hmm. studied them but we've studied them quite a bit because they um, when you watch their live performances not just the TV show but mm-hmm. the live performances yeah they just put out a new one yeah yeah I it's saw that good. and and uh, what they do is they how they walk the tightrope between the silliness and the songs and then the deadpan in yeah. the uh, Inter uh, song play, you know. Right, the or, banter is like the best part of it. Yeah, show. yeah, exactly. <laughs> better than, better and, than the songs, as good as the songs and, and, are. And the cool mm-hmm. thing about it is, is that's part of their show. And yeah. so we've always wanted, you know, in between song banter to be part of our show as mm-hmm. well, as corny as it is, as mm-hmm. it may be. No, you got to do it. Yeah, it's and there. so, but those guys, oh man, they're just yeah, they're pretty much the gold standard. And and their show, the way they transition from mm-hmm. kind of a standard situation into a song is something that we're like, okay, that we need to remember, see how they went from this to this. I mean, so, right. so we're ready to go once, once we have a, um, a situation where somebody does want to put us on TV. Um, we've, we've scripted out, you know, a number of uh, different possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, in fact, little the other adventures. night, yeah, little adventures. Yeah. And, uh, when I saw you the other night, I, I mentioned the, uh, 
one of them. I can't remember which one it was, but, um, and, uh, and we're doing that all the time where we're thinking of new scenarios mm-hmm. to put us in. That would be hilarious. Yeah, I mean, just have all that ready to go. Cause yeah. one day when it does kind of line up you'll when be we're like, in oh, our seventies, you know, they're like, we're ready for old looking oh, guys now. from the planet, planet crouton. You know? yeah. uh, <laughs> There'll be face rejuvenation technology. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It won't matter how old we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some kid who's listening to us now in like, you know, elementary school, he's going to have his own production company mm-hmm. when he grows up. He's like, I remember you guys. I want to make your, I want to put you on TV. I'm very wealthy now. <laughs> and I don't talk like that anymore. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the other option is, is, um, you know, self-production. Yeah. You, you yeah. can figure out a way to make three episodes and yeah and then you can really be like look this is what it is Mm -hmm. do you want to pay us to make 12 of them you know yeah exactly but um yeah i mean there's there's so many opportunities for people doing what like what you do and what we do um to to do it yourselves but you um, have to these days there's no no one no one will risk money on a thing that they don't know what it is you have to make it yourself yeah you have to make your own music and you have to make your own films and you have to make it's true you know i mean you, you just you find ways to uh, to do it you know i was like thinking just uh, a little while ago a couple months back i was like man i wonder when this uh, when the fossil record comes out i was like you know i'm, I'm looking at all these because uh I'm, I'm thinking genre wise i'm like how do it how have we released the other amoeba people we released one as a children's album we released mm-hmm. one as an alternative album. like mm-hmm. there's no genre that we fit in like that's why we call ourselves science rock from the planet crouton that's our genre which well, is that's not, pretty accurate <laughs> which is not a genre that itunes likes um or or any other platform and so i was like well the fossil record i i guess we just put we'll release in some some genre right but then i was i was looking at um like the grammys and i was like you know, I wonder if we could get this nominated as like a children's album, like in the Grammys. Okay, and so okay. I started doing some research yeah. and it's exactly like you say, you just, you got to do things yourself because yep. I started asking around and they're like, Oh, you just need to find somebody in the recording Academy and they'll, they'll nominate it for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think that's enough personal control. Like I, you know, like I, I we, when you rely on other people too much, then you're just relying on other people too much. And so right. it's like, I, I definitely, as we release this album this year and do our promotion, we want to be very proactive ourselves, not just kind of reactive and just waiting on people to tell us, Hey, we're going to do this. So yeah. So I looked it up and um, I, was, I found out you can apply for membership. And so I was like, they do this background check or what have you, you know, and, um, and, and then and, you can nominate yourself. Yeah. And so, yeah. so, um, I was like, well, you know, and then somebody else told me, uh, did you, uh, apply as a band? I said, yeah. Oh, you should have reply, uh, applied as a record label. You did it wrong. You know, like, mm-hmm. n- you know, not that they were saying I did it wrong, but they were just like, uh, it's probably easier. But then we heard back from them and after, you know, cause you have to have enough of an online presence. You have to show that you've, you know, had, you know, time you've spent you you know time in the trenches so to speak yeah. i guess yeah so we're uh, now members of the recording academy so we're going to nominate ourselves there you go uh when this album comes out shh, don't tell anybody and and if you want if if you want to go for the category with the least competition i think it's probably well and we fit one. there too yeah. yeah and we definitely fit there and mm-hmm. and so i've looked at um the and i won't mention who they are but i've looked at some of the nominees in the past mm-hmm. and i was like oh like some, you we know, the, stand a shot here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, you know, we're going up against the Foo Fighters. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, you know, we, we're going up against people that, that it, I'm not saying we would win it, but that's not even really our goal. Our goal is just to say we have a Grammy nominated album. I would totally listen to uh Foo Fighters, uh, children's. Yeah. Album. Oh, me too. That'd be great. Yeah. In a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, so there, but th- that's the thing is like, there are ways of, of finding your way in doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you gotta be real tenacious. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with video production, which we've, um, it's been a learning curve for us. Um, but, uh, we, we want to do if we can a song for, I'm sorry, a video for every song on this album. Yeah. Me as well. That's my strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then the time consumption, you know, working a full-time job, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then, then I mean, money this. mainly I mean, and money everything too. is self-funded, but, yeah. and, and then also just finding the right people to work with i mean th- this is the first time i've ever been a band leader mm-hmm. like doing everything by myself and it's just i'm losing my hair over yeah. it like i'm just trying okay let's like somebody pay you to make the logo and like i'll pay you to do this and then you got to pay your players and you gotta, it's just and then yeah some people pull through some people don't and it's true you know i gotta do the booking and i gotta do this yeah and it's uh Oh, I'm very stressed out about it. No, I, I totally get it because like Ryan and Dustin, I mean, they're my collaborators, you know, right. but, but they know, and you know, they know that I, it's kind of my thing, like for the most part, like yeah. as far as, you know, communicating with people, getting um, our stuff out there to people mm-hmm. and they have the things that they do in, in the band as far as promotion and things like that. Um, but it's, it's like uh, Dustin a while back said, he's like, look, Ray, he's like, you know, you're the captain from, you know, like the expedition from the planet Crouton, then your title is captain. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and it's no different in the band. (laughs) And he's like, you're the captain. So you got to tell us what to do and you know, we'll do it. But like it, you're the captain, you know? So it's like, and that's, you know, it's, it's good to know that too, because then you know where the, um, you know, the, the limitations are and, and yeah. what, to, what to expect to, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just the way it works. Yeah. There's both sides. You do get more satisfaction. Yeah. You do get more stress. I, yeah. I some days I miss being just the drummer. Oh yeah. Me too. Just and being a member in a band. I loved that. We playing tonight. I'll be there playing yeah. drums and that's yeah. all I have to worry about. Exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I did miss those days. Yeah. Or do miss those mm-hmm. days still. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, like you said, the payoff is pretty good though. Yeah. Eventually yeah. you want to build something that is significant and is your own. Yeah. I think, I mean, if, if you're an artist, if if you're not an artist, then I think most people don't have that drive. Right. Right. Um, but I have since I, since I was a small child. Yeah. Somehow. I think, yeah, most of us who, who make stuff are that way, you know, it's, it's always been there. I just got to make stuff. Yeah. Whether it's this or that, what medium, but yeah. Yeah. I yeah, can't I imagine not making things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I the the other day um we're I might have mentioned earlier that we're met working on this uh, collaborative project with an animator. I say we, I mean so it is technically the Amoeba mm-hmm. people, but it's basically the animator and I are the, the two main people working right. on it. And uh it's uh it's inspired by Schoolhouse Rock and Gorillas. Schoolhouse Rock was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and so we're doing that. But plus, Gorillas that's cool. That's, yeah. that's a little edgier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're we're, you know, um so it's amoeba people music, but then um, he created the characters, which are these four robotically modified pets, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and there's this whole story that he created to go with it. Actually, we we kind of collaborated on the story too, but um, mm-hmm. but that's really cool because because we have our separate zones. Like he's doing like a hundred percent of that other part, the animation, the design, and yeah. all that, and the which direction. Is, whew, that's yeah, a lot of work, and he's really good at it. He's, yeah. uh, I mean, he's his his um, his name's Mike McCraw. He um, worked on, uh, gosh, what? Oh, he works on Bob's Burgers right now. He's an animator I on Bob's Burgers. Love Burger. that show <laughs> yeah. so much. So he's he's an animator. Uh, that's his his day job, and then um, but he's also worked like on. Um, I don't know if you saw the animated Jay Z video um, called "The Story of OJ." 
I did not. <clears throat> so he worked on that video. I mean, he's got a, a incredible resume mm-hmm. of really good projects. And and uh, he and I became friends maybe about two years ago and said, we got to work on something. Mm-hmm. And so that's where this idea came from. We found out we both love Schoolhouse Rock and Gorillas. So kind of, you know, taking the Schoolhouse Rock idea, but giving it maybe a little bit more of an edge. And then it's got kind of this um, more international intrigue backstory that goes along with it. So there's this character, Naomi Money, and uh, she was the daughter, um, the orphaned daughter of uh, two inventor parents who left their vast fortune to her. But uh, they always knew that she had these impulses for um, wanting to do crazy things. And so they left these uh, four robotically modified pets to protect not only her, but to also protect the world from her bad ideas. (laughs) And so in that, that becomes our platform for launching into teaching about a particular topic. So okay. the first uh, couple will probably be science related, but like Schoolhouse Rock, it'll it'll hit a lot of different educational mm-hmm. areas, um, but through this lens of just being a really cool yeah. cartoon. So. No, that's uh, animation is so powerful. Oh, man. I yeah, mean, and he's so good still, at it. Yeah, there's no limitation in turn. The, the, the standard limitations don't exist. Exactly. I mean, yeah, if, if no one bites on the TV idea, you should just envision exactly how you wanted it to go and just animate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and, and the only factor there is just, you know, the time, time. factor. And then yeah. if, of course, if you want it to go faster, then you have to have money because you can get it to go faster if yeah. you have more animators. But Mike over these last two years, um, just, he did, I believe he did the entire animation himself. So just in his spare time for wow. this first episode. And so mm-hmm. the first episode is like our demo episode, you know, that we're going to put in like animation festivals and things like that. What he did was he finished it maybe about the four months ago and then the last thing to go in in addition to the music that I wrote for it is the sound design so this is actually the first time I've done sound design on anything which is really cool which Mm -hmm. is uh, you know um, you could download sound effects from the internet but um, I decided to do the whole thing live, like live fully. Like, so every sound in there, I was like, you know, let's, let's make this thing really organic and mm-hmm. handmade, you know. And so just do, I spent two days, um, you know, working on that. And it was just so fulfilling, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we were just talking about that whole feeling of like when you make something, you just kind of have to do it. And, um, just finding out different ways that like chalk on a board. Well, I don't have chalk. I don't have a board, but I found a way to get that sound. You know, okay. it's like, it's very satisfying when there's something that's just kind of amorphous in your mind. And then all of a sudden it's now reality. Mm-hmm. There's, it's just a really cool feeling, mm-hmm. you know? That's awesome. Yeah. So, so just to kind of like wind things down, uh, what are there any like current contemporaries in the science music realm, uh, or that are inspirational that you dig or whatever, whatever one else in terms of what everyone else is doing, what's, what do you think is working? It's well, that's weird because like, um, not weird. It's not a weird question. Um, <laughs> it's a very good question, but it, it's weird because I, it's, when I listen to music, I don't really listen to stuff that's similar to what we do or try right. to find stuff that's similar. I just listen to what I like. Just block it out. D- don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. No. And I mean, there's, there's funny people out there who, who do like a really good job. Um, mm-hmm. we did a show, um, with this, uh, nerd core rapper, MC Lars. Like he was, I, I like his whole shtick. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, it's very literary, you know? Um, but when it comes to like just music, as far as like, you know, what I like to listen to, I mean, yeah, I mean, 
I'm th- I think the last thing I listened to just uh, yesterday was um, Andrew Bird's latest song, okay. which is incredible. Um, Bloodless, by the way, if anybody's interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, uh, and he's an incredible... So I, I, I'm more, I think, inspired just by really incredible musicians and people who have something interesting to say. Um, I know that um, the Amoeba people are not the, the kind of... Um, you know, act that are going to be taken seriously in that way, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but I do think, um, our approach has been one of a uh, very strong musicality and, you know, um, a stable mm-hmm. songwriting <laughs> songs that don't just fall apart, you know? Yeah. So, so those are the kinds of people that I tend to listen to, um, and no, and really in any genre too. I mean, um, listening to, to producers and in, in all genres is always interesting when I'm trying to get an idea for something, but sometimes I'll just, I'll go back to, you know, like, old Gary Newman stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really just, yeah, it's, I, I think it's just whatever feels inspiring to me usually finds its way into, you know, um, our stuff and, you yeah. know, like and it, it ends up quite eclectic in fact. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's kind of, um, the, the fits into the concept of the band too, which is we were supposedly receiving all these radio signals from earth. Oh, okay. And so it's this pastiche in a way, right. But the challenge has been taking that pastiche, but also crafting, um, our own sound that's consistent too. So mm-hmm. we, so we'll hit a lot of genres, but we also try to maintain a consistent There's a thread. Sound. There's yeah. a thread musically and, and, and with the humor, I think. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, so I don't know. But, Anybody um, that you've uh, been hearing lately that you can I, turn me on to? As I said, I, I, I tend to hate the genre. <laughs> right, <laughs> I yeah. really do. Yeah. Uh, I have a buddy, his channel's called Science with Tom. Uh-huh. Have you seen that one? He's, I just know him from like the SciComm stuff, and, mm-hmm. and, and I gave him the same compliment where right. I was just like, I almost always hate right. this, <laughs> right? but I like you. Right, <laughs> so yeah. So <laughs> it's him and you guys, I'm just kind of like, these. it's just... I don't know when it's too cliche and when it's too, I don't know, it, it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Like when it's neither hitting me musically nor educationally, yeah. Yeah. then I'm like, well, uh, I don't like it. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, and, and you, we, it's funny when we talked about uh, setting up this interview, you, mm-hmm. you, one of the questions you'd asked was, does science belong in music? Right. And you know, it's funny. I is, was going to kind of argue the, the <laughs> that it doesn't. <laughs> well, yeah. and to be fair, yeah. I kind of take the same view that mm-hmm. you do. Um, right. because because, you know, there, I just happen to have this problem that I play in a science rock band. Right, yeah. But I do think that it's incredibly, and, and I'm not like saying, oh, we're so amazing because we do it so well. It's mm-hmm. so difficult to do. But I do think it is it is difficult to do well. Yeah. And and uh, it's difficult to do in a way that is not super annoying or so predictable. Yeah. And that's, that's um, you know, if we, we ever get to a point where we become predictable, then it's probably time to move on to a mm-hmm. new project, you know. But, um, but I don't think we're there yet, uh, thankfully. And, uh, but no, I feel the same way. I feel yeah. like it's really when I, cause there are people all the time who are like, you know, Oh, you got to check this out or check that out. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and then right. I'll go check it out and I'll be like, Oh, like I was, but I'm always hoping it's going to be yeah. something that I really connect it's your with. Genre. It's just like you. Exactly. And, is it just like me? and we don't really yeah. have a genre that we fit in. So to me, I'm like, if it's yeah. good music, I'll like it. And if it's not, it is know. tough. I mean, to, to, to halfway retract what I said earlier, I, I am trying to implement science themes in my music, but mm-hmm. I'm, it's not in a humorous way whatsoever. It's very much like a, like a mystique yeah. way. So like, I'll be sing like I have a song called Zero Point Energy, mm-hmm. which is like a physics topic, and like like the the word entropy is in the lyrics, and mm-hmm. but it's not funny, right? <laughs> it's, right? It's it, it's creepy, you yeah, know? yeah. So I am like I and I have a song about Blade Runner, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Like, right. But it's not, yeah. It's just synth pop. It's not, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, 
it, it is hard though. You got to yeah. be cautious. Yeah. And subtle. Well, you know, one thing that in, in this, I think kind of speaks to that issue of how, <clears throat> how difficult it can be to communicate it. Well, mm-hmm. people will often say to us, this has happened more in the past. I think now that we've kind of established more of a consistent kind of body of work, so to speak, we have a lot of material and it's all original material right, yeah. but um i remember toward the beginning people were like oh this is cool science stuff you know like and we always get lots of positive feedback at our live shows um mm-hmm. but people would say things like man you guys should cover she blinded me with science mm-hmm. and and i'm like and it's just people being polite you know they're, yeah, they're like yeah. it's but it's the only point of reference they have in music for science two and two together and i'm is, like yeah. you know and i never say it but i'm like that song is about sex that mm-hmm. song is not about science yeah. like or unless you want to talk about the biology of how people react to one another (laughs) and it's a fun song don't get me wrong but it's like it's not you know like us covering that would be the worst cliche ever you know hi we're a science band and we're going to blind you with science yeah Yeah, it's the very last thing we should do like the only cover I think we've done one or two covers but the only one that I remember is this kind of obscure Daniel Johnston song called Rocket Ship Mm-hmm. And it's it's a sci-fi song. It's not even a science song. Right. It's just about flying to planet X. He meets yeah. a girl and they fly back to Earth. And that's the whole thing. But it's a really cool song. And so right. we throw it into or the like set. Or like Bowie, you know. Exactly. Just that kind of thing where it's it's the- thematically, yeah. you know, in that realm. But it's it's a, it's a rock song. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there, those, you know, those are the two ways to go about it. But, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're everyone's, we're, we're making some strides here. I think so. And, and I think, you know, the fact that we don't hear that so much anymore from mm-hmm. people, oh, you mm-hmm. should cover She Blinded Me With Science, yeah. is a, a testament to the fact that the people we play for are getting used to the fact that we're you kind are of, your own thing. Yeah, we've yeah. kind of created our own thing, which is cool, yeah. you know. Well, speaking of your own thing, I think we will end the episode by playing one of your tracks. Sweet. I think that's the best way to do it. So um, you, you don't have to know what it is now, but okay. if you do off the top of your head know what track you'd want to play you uh-huh. can definitely like introduce it in some way okay well like. I'll, I'll i'll um i'm hoping for a volcano just okay. because that, uh, that was my favorite <laughs> okay you know it's live i think and i think it represents the amoeba people cool. really well because yeah. it's got the uh, kind of what what i call i don't call it rapping what we right. do we call it we call it um lecturing and rhythm I love it. <laughs> and actually, we've had a number of different names for what we do, but um, we've called it rap lecture, mm-hmm. or we call it lecturing and rhythm, But um, <clears throat> because I just don't feel like I could say I'm rapping with a straight face. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I th- I th- but it, it contains that kind of you know exciting Amoeba People vibe with the humor, mm-hmm. with the, the, you know, the actual science. Um, this one's probably not super hardcore science, but it does talk about two uh, historic volcanic eruptions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then there's just a lot of musical uh, zaniness and fun so yeah so ladies and gentlemen uh, Dave Professor Dave thanks for having me on your podcast and I'm going to introduce the song is that okay absolutely let's do it ladies and gentlemen please enjoy from the Amoeba People's brand new forthcoming album The Fossil Record Volcano Woo! (laughs) Volcano 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 In the year 79 AD, 
Mount Vesuvius erupted, burying the nearby cities of Herculaneum and Pompeii in a layer of hot, scalding ash and rock known as a pyroclastic flow. Nearly 2,000 years after the eruption, the preserved remains of the inhabitants of Pompeii were discovered and excavated, a terrifying reminder of the volcano's awesome strength. Krakatoa, Indonesia, one of the loudest volcanic eruptions ever recorded. With an eruption loud enough to be heard 3,000 miles away, it resulted in a tsunami so large, more than 30,000 people perished as a result. Another sobering reminder of the volcano's awesome strength. 